I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Morning. I'm... I listened to my, uh... A little bit of the first one, I checked sound quality, and I realized how, as uh, one of my professors used to say back in the day, soporific my voice was, meaning my voice put you to sleep because it was so slow and monotone. So try and be a little bit more upbeat, even though I have my coffee, because it is exciting stuff, but I apologize. <laughs> Thanks sound, for being here. With, you sound soporific right now while you're explaining. I, it. I'm trying. I'm. I know. But, this is uh, Laura and Pastor Colander doing our morning Bible study, reading through one chapter of the Bible a day and discussing it. We do this early in the morning so that we don't get interrupted by our family or work or anything. And so, yeah. He's going to sound a little sleepy. I'm going to try to bring the energy. I'm reading. He's following along in the Greek. We're starting in Acts chapter right. 6 today. Are you're you, like, you're are like you the color commentary. <laughs> just just trying to speak at a normal speed. I feel like I'm, I'm going to have to speak at... You're like Tony Romo. 1.5 and you're speaking at 0.5. <laughs> yeah, just set the podcast at times 2 when I'm speaking. I'll probably be okay. All right, so Acts chapter 6, again, reading from the NIV. Here we go. The choosing of the seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all of the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. How'd I do on the names? <laughs> did great. Well, I, I like, know it's not important. It's not important how they're pronounced. It's important what they did. Yeah, I mean, there's some things to remember. I mean, these are kind of um, minor names, I guess. But I always just tell my catechism kids just take the first letter of the name and make up a name after it. Sometimes, if that just helps you read through. But <laughs> you did a great job. They were good. Um, What do you have to say about this or any questions? I think that it's good. It's a good lesson to think about because it's that way in our churches. Sometimes everything falls on one person, the pastor, and there are things in our ministry like 
taking care of each other, like we talked about in the last couple mm-hmm. podcasts about um, when someone's in need, you know, setting up like a meal train or, you know, when someone has a fire, you know, getting stuff together for them in their house and, and those sort of things are very, very important, but those are the kinds of things that can really take a lot of time out of your week and the pastor's main job is to teach and preach and administer sacraments, so... Um, for Paul, or I'm sorry, not Paul, that's you, Peter <laughs> and the disciples, um, they're focused on these things and uh, some people are starting to get overlooked and that's not what they want either. So there's going to be a special ministry here, um, the like the caring for others ministry, I don't know what we would call it now, like in our churches, some churches probably have a name for it, I'm blanking out. Hospitality, love fund, fund, yeah. Um, Yeah. Different churches probably have different names, but it's, you know, like a food pantry or clothing drive or setting up meal trains um, for people in need, you know, the very important ways we show that we love each other, but that's not necessarily something that the pastor can always attend to Mm -hmm. or should be attending to because pastors... I'm not just saying this because I'm married to one, but I have lots of friends and family in the um, ministry. And, you know, I always see it at like, what are your gifts? What are you good at? And you and other pastors have trained to be studying Greek, preaching on it, public speaking. Those are your gifts. And there are some people who maybe would be scared to death to stand up in front of a crowd and preach God's name, but they can make meals, you know? And those, and that's where you have to kind of draw the line and say, I, I could do these things, but I'm going to focus on this, and I need some, some help doing these other areas of ministry. And that's when they anoint seven more, I'm sorry, anoint? Lay their hands on. Lay their on. hands on. Yeah. Choose some more help. I guess anoint, help. set aside, but yeah, I guess... I all of that I agree with. Um, I want to make one point about what you said, and then one other point about uh, what they actually did. But <laughs> you say that like they're different things. Well, there are what I said, and then what the no, Bible said. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> they, you you were right, but the one thing is, as pastors, you know, like we don't believe that any way of serving God is beneath us. Yeah, you know, and that's not what you said. I just want to make that very clear that it's not. Um, well, I, I, I could shovel snow, but I don't want to. You know, someone else should do it. It's, or I, I, I should um, mow the lawn. You know, three times a day for my church, but I don't want to do it. It's just that if there are other people in your church that could serve God in that way so that a pastor can focus more on the skills that he has. Then, as a church body, you should get together and pull your resources and allow everyone to serve God according to um, their abilities. Which, right. you, you said, I just want to make oh, it clear that yeah, the pastors don't think that, well, I could do that, but I don't. You did. You said that not meaning that, but I don't want it to be misconstrued yeah. in any other way. I didn't mean it's beneath you. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same way in an organization, like, CEOs have certain roles because of how they've been trained and prepared, and then 
you know, other people have different roles. That doesn't mean they don't help out or do something or have a, like, haughty, I'm better than everyone else kind of mm-hmm. attitude. You know, you can see a CEO at a big company walking down the hallway picking up trash, like, mm-hmm. showing they, you know, care. They're not the janitor. They don't have to do that, but they, they do because they they care for the organization and, and every, you know, I'm just saying that's not their full-time job. Of mm-hmm. course they do those things, but they say it's a better use of my time to hire a janitor than for me to be the janitor, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, it's wise use of your gifts and the church's what the church actually called you to do. Yep. So. Yep. And then. And, but you <laughs> serve God in other ways, like picking up trash or doing yeah. this or that. And then the other thing I wanted to make a point about is the widows. Um, just to remember that back then they didn't have social security. Right. And um, the women were not working to the level that we are, and they weren't. <laughs> saving away money in the same way you know it was very much a family unit where uh if you had a son you know the son would take care of the mother all the way and you kind of lived in these multi-generational houses that kept taking care of each other Mm -hmm. so the widows that are here are completely reliant basically on the church or mostly reliant on the church for just survival rather than kind of the way that we normally do things. I mean, the food pantry and things are one, but someone's in great need because of a tragic event, and we help them out for a short period of time, get back on their feet. Um, These are people they're caring for, which is why the Apostle Paul uh, later, I think, in Corinthians has to remind people, like, if you have a family... (laughs) they're the ones that should be taking care of these widows, you know, not just passing it off on the church. Mm. It should be, you know, you're a family. Your parents took care of you, and then it's your responsibility to take care of them at some point. Um, But anyway, kind of just off track, but just to, you know, think of it as kind of a cultural difference, which not often we we remember. Something I just was thinking is, <clears throat> excuse me that in the he- for the hebrews for the jews they probably had systems like this set up in their at the temple and in their tabernacles and synagogues and mm-hmm. they'd been doing this for some time and kind of had like probably more organized systems because they've been doing it as a culture and as a group for so long so now if you your family and an, and a widow leave the the synagogue and join Christianity you know and you're following Peter now you've also sort of lost that support of the you know I live at the temple or you know the synagogue takes care of me now you're kind of leaving the welfare system as well right yeah so they kind of have to create their own system and it's only been like you know, a few months at this point, so they're, it's kind of, yeah, people are getting overlooked, and that's unfortunate, and now, now they've got some people in charge of it, that's really good. Yeah, um, just, I mean, in both Luke and Mark, um, I just looked this up, I don't, didn't have it off the top of my head, but they, um, Jesus calls out the Pharisees, and says, 
about them that they devour widows' houses and for show make lengthy prayers. So, you know, what they do in private, which could be taking everything that the widow has, you know, to pay for their food and leaving them with nothing, which is wrong rather than doing something for charity, they're doing it for gain. And then at the same time, they pretend to be great people in the temple. Um, well, sure. So I mean, it's it was a, fl- a flawed system, but I'm sure it still was semi Yeah, it was something, right? It was something that they knew, okay, well, at least I have I have somewhere to go on, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's keep going. All right. I have a problem where I always want to say Stephen, and I, I know it's Stephen, right? Well, there was no V noise in the Greek. Okay. So if you want to say Stephen <laughs> and just instead of completely just it, transliterating it, that's fine. I will say it the way that everyone else at there's, church says it, but there's no other Steve in the Bible. So, you know, if you say Stephen, I'll know who you're talking okay. about. If I switch between, I'm still talking about the same person. But Stephen seized. Okay. So Acts six verse eight. Here we go. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom of the spirit by whom he spoke. Oh, I'm sorry by his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. They, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and when the, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That's the end of chapter 6. The rest of Stephen's story will be tomorrow. Okay. <clears throat> Alright, so clear a few things for me here. He had opposition from the synagogue of the freedmen. So these are, these are like Pharisees and Sadducees. This is not, this is not a group inside their Christian group, correct? Um, that's the way I understood it, but I, I don't think I've ever researched. What verse is that in exactly? Nine. Nine. And the note I have in my Bible says, people who had been freed from slavery, they came from different Hellenistic areas. So, they are Jews, still part of a synagogue. Is That's how I read it. Mm-hmm. So, he's he's got opposition, just like Peter and everyone else and Jesus had, from people who want everything to remain the same correct yes yeah um yes so they were 
former slaves, and as you said, and yeah, I mean, had their own synagogue, so they're still of the Jewish faith, and uh, for whatever reason, that sect got into it with, with him. So they, they stirred up the people to produce false witnesses, saying that Jesus will destroy this place and change the customs. So, sort of like Jesus' story, people mm-hmm. came with false stories, um, trying to get him in trouble. They wanted to catch him doing something wrong, but um, the part where it says they couldn't stand up to him because of his wisdom and the spirit by whom he spoke, so nothing that they say really, they can't argue with him or mm-hmm. his teachings because God's telling, you know, the truth. And they're they're not. But then they still get him on trial before the Sanhedrin. And his face is like the face of an angel. So it's like glowing or something. Yeah, that's the way that it would be. Glowing or um, seeming like it's admitting light in some way. Um, I mean... When when the Pharisees were coming after Jesus, it's something that they said, that Jesus had to defend himself, that I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Because as he would be walking through, which may have been a lesson that the disciples taught, like the fields, and they were picking grain on the Sabbath day. They were working on the Sabbath. With just eating grain and Jesus says you know the sat or man was not made for the Sabbath but the Sabbath for man meaning that God didn't make laws and then create man to fulfill those laws he created laws to help man like the Sabbath is rest we should take time to be with our God and be with our family and have physical rest where are you going with this feel like <laughs> you're on a tangent somewhere no it's it's the fact that when jesus spoke out against these laws that the way that the pharisees had interpreted them mm-hmm. that he received a lot of opposition because the pharisees and the people of the jewish church at that time felt Opposed. Uh, that salvation is yeah. done by what i do keeping the laws right well, so when and- stephen is preaching out this way about what Jesus has done that's yeah. going to upset people when because the the law is offensive to people when you tell people whatever you do is not going to save you because your actions are not good enough to please God right, that's not something we like to hear they're not these Pharisees are generations into this problem of tradition and mm-hmm. focusing on themselves and work righteous in a way they're not waking up in the morning and saying i know what the bible says but i'm going to add these laws myself and try to mislead the people they're as deep into this belief as anyone they aren't they're not doing wrong things or being loud and obnoxious on purpose this is the culture this is their the way they were raised and the way the pharisees 
a generation or two before them probably were acting. So it's not that they just made up this rule, like, you you know, don't pick green on the Sabbath. They probably truly believed Jesus was... Yeah, they've been indoctrinated yeah. by it since the time they were children. So they're, you know, and then, again, they didn't have sound bites and ways to research. It's all word of mouth. So if someone says, Jesus said this... And word gets around. Some people are reporting Jesus' actual words. And the Pharisees are hearing the story the way they hear it. Or, oh, I heard he said he's going to abolish all the rules. You know, and they're, you know, they're maybe afraid that he really is a crazy cult leader who's destroying everything they've been raised to know and teach. And, um, you know, then they see these miracles and they're probably scared. Like, I don't... they what they believe is true doesn't mesh with what they've heard Jesus has said and now they have power and you know it's just a big messy situation but their hearts aren't open to to hearing the truth like when they hear Stephen speak Stephen speak with the spirit they um they're still kind of like not prepared to receive that message and they continue to well, let's say this about him, you know, come up with plans and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll see the rest of how it all goes tomorrow. What Stephen says to Sanhedrin. It's kind of a long section tomorrow. Mm. Well, just to add quickly to what you said, there also is no written word, not just text, but the disciples had not written this down or passed it around to different cities about what Jesus has said. They... They just have to hear it from those who have, you know, seen and heard what Jesus has said. And um, Well, it makes me think, it made me think of the Reformation, you know. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church got into bad practices and, you know, traditions and problems and things like that and away from the truth. Mm-hmm. And when one person said, hey, this is what the Bible actually says, you know, goes before courts and hearings and things like this where people are trying to say this is too revolutionary or this is not what we've been doing for the last, you know, several years. Your your new idea threatens me where they're not kind of realizing um, our ideas have gotten off the correct path. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where maybe the Pharisees are like, uh, they don't even see how far off they are. They're so clouded. I don't know if that's the right take on that, but no. And to take that one step farther, to believe these things was not just to change church buildings; it was to have your whole family say, "What are you doing, leaving this Jewish faith?" You know, this yeah. is what your father and grandfather. And that still happens today. I've taken people through Bible information classes and talked to them um, who have been in the Catholic Church. And they said, oh yeah, I believe all this stuff that you're saying about the Bible, but I'm still going to be a Catholic. Because I, even though I don't believe the, the way that, the, what the Catholic Church teaches, mm-hmm. this is more of my... It's like a culture. Identity, yeah, Yeah. and my nationality almost, (laughs) rather than my belief system. it's so bad here in America. You have that occasionally, but the way it is 
Well, a lot of Latino cultures, it is very much like that. Yeah, but it was like your whole community was synagogue based, Mm -hmm. and leaving the church wasn't just something you did on Sunday, but it was or Saturday, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it was your whole your whole week, your whole everything. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what Stephen says next and um, Mm -hmm. study the rest of his his story. What Jesus said is, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You know, father and son and mother and daughter will be at war with each other. And this is what he was talking about. So. Okay, that seems like a good way to Oh, Jesus does love us. And it's what Stephen was saying. He was telling people how they are saved and what okay. Jesus has done for them. <laughs> God loves you and forgives all of your sins. We'll talk about gospel tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Thanks for uh, listening in on our morning conversation. uh, We'll share some more tomorrow.